Welcome everyone to the 97th episode of the New Gen Mindset Podcast. Uh, I'm Dan Cozell here with Nick Tartaglia. <laughs> Daniel. So it is a cold ass day, even though there's some sun. I like how we always start with like a meteorology report. It's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, we live in Canada. We get it. It's nice and cold right now. We're heading into November. The leaves are all gone. It, we had it, snow it's yesterday. It's funny because for us, I feel like the weather is kind of like, it's like foreshadowing not only the world, but like our emotions at the same time. Well, especially being in Canada. Especially after obviously what's been going on. I mean, look, um, Nick and I have been talking about how crazy the West has basically become. Um, but um, psychology is playing a big factor into everything. And um, it almost seems like with the way the markets are trading right now, it's almost like people are trying to take a step back and try to realize, okay, what the hell is going on? Mm-hmm. Like, where, where, where's, where's sort of that next big catalyst of some sort that's going to cause markets to kind of shake up a little more, even though we've seen a 10% drop, right? Yeah, you know, there's this, there's this, dilemma or this like kind of like these different narratives building is you got this government talk about how you know everything is okay the economy is as strong as it's ever been you know growing this you know unemployment gdp uh you know we're going to get inflation under control the same talk is there but at the same time on the other side you're seeing a lot of different what can how can I say this? Different conversations occurring at a civilian level, where people now are starting to understand that there's geopolitical factors at a level they've never seen before. Especially the younger generation have never really experienced any of these type of things. So that includes our generation. And the second thing is also the fact that they are starting to hear and discuss con- economic concepts that they've also never understood or heard before in their lifetime. So you know, and this is entering the winter where the winter typically tends to have a little more chaotic things going around the world because, you know, more depression on energy, on supply chains, on food, with all these diverging variables on a macro level. So, you know, entering this winter period could be something that we didn't see last year. Yeah. And I think with all the quote unquote jobs numbers that are mm-hmm. supposedly strong, it's causing <laughs> the Fed to kind of be trapped. I mean, Bank of Canada came out and basically said government spending is responsible for inflation right and now. And this is so- the same guy that said there would be no inflation three years ago when he collapsed rates and said people could be confident in investing and buying and using up debt and everything. So so amidst this chaos, there's always opportunity in the market. Of course, always. Right. Um, and we haven't had a female guest on in quite some time and mm-hmm. you know we were looking at our demographic data and we're like i don't know 92 percent male we we got to mix it up a little bit here so um we're going to talk about markets technical analysis and how psychology and your tr- and your personality could actually be linked to the probability of success in your trading strategies right and so um with us today um she is the author of 11 Mistakes That Ruin Your Trading Account. Um, and she has also previously worked uh, as a sex therapist and has transferred really a lot of that knowledge into the markets. Um, and I was hoping I could find a much bigger bio, but I think you did go to Columbia University. Um, and she's got a wealth of knowledge. Um, she's done really well, especially in the markets. Um, I can confirm that we've seen her on Instagram. She's very active there. Um, welcome to the new gen mindset podcast, Leah Holmgren. Hi guys. Thank you so much for inviting me and thanks for the nice intro. Yeah. So (laughs) of course it's been quite fun. The last almost four years I've been trading. Um, yeah, fascinating. I think that I found my calling after being uh, in, in sex therapy and marriage counseling for 10 years. I uh, I really love my new gig. <laughs> so that's the, and see that, so now, because me and Dan, we talk to a lot of people, especially in the trading community, we've noticed that there's a lot of interesting transitions where people, like we met a guy from, he's from Germany, mm-hmm. uh, and he used to be a music producer, and he fell in love with trading, and he transitioned from the music industry, and he became a trader, and he became pretty well-known for that, um, for trading now. So, you know, give us a little background. Like, how did that transition occur? What got you into the trading world, the finance world? So I've been investing since I was 19, 20, about that. So I always love to save money and invest money. Um, I didn't know the stock market until I was 29 because I lived in Europe. And it's not easy even today to actually find how to invest in the US stock market. Even today, it's really complicated. 
because when you go to the bank, they tell you, no, it's super risky. Don't do it. We sell you our products. So that's pretty much how I was investing, but I was investing, which is good, good, good for me. And then uh, when I moved to the US, I uh, started learning about the markets. Um, my ex-husband was uh, working for a big fund and he kind of brought me to that, I have to say, to investing, to safe investing, conservative investing. So that was the first time I uh, started. But then um, I was working as a marriage counselor and sex, sex therapist, as uh, you guys mentioned, but I was not happy with my life anymore after a decade. I just felt like I'm not moving forward with helping people and helping masses. And what was frustrating me so much in my work was that people wanted quick results and they didn't want to work on themselves at all and wanted me to be a magician who fixes their problem in one hour session. So I was getting tired of my work. And when COVID hit, I, of course, uh, had some health issues already. So I had to leave my office in Manhattan, in New York, and I didn't want to see people in real life. I was too scared. And then um, I was just sitting at home. And of course, people had much different problems in COVID than sexuality. They had problems with money, with, with fighting. And, and I worked as a volunteer for um, New York uh, line for depression and, and people with mental issues in COVID. But then I was just having too much time on my hands. And I saw my long-term portfolio having these massive swings. Like it was insane. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> 30% down and this up and that. I'm like, wow, this is crazy. So it was like uh, February, March 2020 when I was seeing all of this. And I uh, just said, you know what? I want to learn how to take advantage of those swings. Like it's just not all about, okay, I buy something and hold it for 20 years. So I started learning. And since then, I think I skipped maybe five days by now, trading days in the whole entire time since I started. It was a wild ride, I have to say, but um, I really enjoy my new life. Was there was there a particular person or a particular place that you went to to really learn or names that you could share with people that they could also go down that rabbit hole? Quite frankly, I just started with Investopedia where I was learning about the markets, which is super basic. I tried their paper trading, which was, paper trading, which was terrible. Uh, user experience i'm like this is really uh, annoying and then i uh somehow started looking at youtube i discovered some people on youtube that i really enjoyed um and then i found benzinga actually and i started going to their free webinars in benzinga and then i was in benzinga i was learning with these guys and then i found real life trading and they offered free education which was very basic but it helped me a lot um then I basically found people in that group that I really loved and I'm still trading with them. And we have like friends discord where I'm in daily. We are more like a group of 20 people. We trade together and help each other. So that's what I had. It's been like a long-term relationship at this point. But again, like it was from a huge group. We pick, you know, someone you like and you, you're investing or, or trading uh, um, style is similar. Because that's very important, right? You want to trade with people they are approximately similar age and have similar expectations, and you know. So that was that was kind of the thing. And um, I had beautiful mentors, a couple of them. Um, they supported me on the on the road. So, yeah, and it was a it was a crazy journey, I have to say. Um, it was from ups to downs and to absolute lows and absolute highs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think that just makes us human at the end of the day, right? Like if we're able to endure the lowest of the lows while celebrating at the highs, I think that's kind of like related to what's happening in the market. So well, I that's feel like it, it makes, it creates the, the it, it amplifies the value of the highs. If you can, you know, without the lows, it's hard to appreciate the highs. It's true. The problem is I had it the other way. <laughs> I had what do the you highs mean? first. <laughs> I had the absolute highs first where I was making like 80 or 100 or 200 grand a month in some some years and and the first year and I was like whoa like this is insane. Like this is money I I need like a uh, 8 to 12 months to make in my regular work. And I make them in one month and I was just thinking I'm so smart and it's so great and I was just <laughs> Having this beginner's luck that totally screwed me up at the beginning. Let, let's talk about this because this is the trading psychology mixed with even human psychology. But maybe go back to 
you know, you talked about it like February, 2020, you hadn't looked at your portfolio for 10 years or whatever it was. And you started seeing the swings. So I guess walk us through those like two weeks where you started like exploring the idea of trading. And then like, how did you go from, oh my God, I'm only doing about two to 3% a month to, like you said, you got a month where, you know, you're kind of just you're kind of just throwing a dartboard and everything's going up. I mean, we're all part of that market too. So, so tell, tell us about that. That's really interesting. Yeah. So first I saw the airlines selling off and mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, let me get to some of this, this trades. So that was a bad idea. That was a very first trade. So, so even before that, actually, I have to admit, so I had a wealth manager at UBS. So all I was doing before I was just sending the money and I had no idea what the heck they're doing with the money. So then I moved to kind of like more robo investing in Vanguard. And also I was just sending monthly check and they were doing whatever. I had no idea. So when COVID happened, I said, oh my God, I want to buy some stocks, but I don't know how. I literally didn't know how to do it. So I called a couple of my friends. I'm like, hey, how do I do this? And they told me, it's like, wow, this, the market is tanking weight a little bit. And I then discovered the charts and it was just, I was complete beginner. And then I asked, I bought this airline and I asked my friend, so what are you doing? He's like, I just shorted Delta. I said, what does it mean shorting? He's like, Google. So yeah. I Googled and I cried <laughs> because I had no idea what the heck that means. So I was super beginner, like completely, I didn't know anything. And then I started studying the charts and looking at the indicators and moving averages. And I'm very visual. I always has been. So it kind of like made total sense to me. I love the colors. I love the, how it's moving. I love dynamic things. So I was learning, learning. And then I just started trading like, I didn't have idea how to actually structure the trade. So I'm how 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 much I'm gonna lose. I did not understand that concept. And right. I tried to learn it with Investopedia. They explained it so poorly that I could not still understand that concept. And then finally the real life trading trading actually helped me to understand the concept of a risk unit. So that was a very important uh, breakthrough for me in trading, where I knew, okay, if I don't want to lose more than this, I have to have stop loss and buy this amount of shares. So that was after probably two months of trading when I was just, I bought something. And when I still going, going, going up, I looked, oh my God, I'm up for four, $500. Yes, let me sell, let me sell. So this is what I did. And then when it started tanking on me, I cut it very quickly because I freaked out. So it's kind of a very good strategy <laughs> for a beginner when it's falling, most people would start adding to the, to the loser. So I was like, no, it goes against me. Let me get out. So that was like a really good beginner instinct, but it was totally erratic the first two, three months. And then finally I start trading with a group. It was making more sense. But then what happened, the market just started going ballistic. If you guys remember in the summer 2020 with like Tesla, with all these companies, Nvidia, like you name it, the tech just started going absolutely nuts. Like Zoom was the first one that was going crazy in March 2020. And then GME, I was buying GME in August 2020, even before the whole fiasco. And everything just went up. So I remember really like November 2020, I ended the month with 80 grand. Like it was, it was insane. And I started trading with $100,000 and I said, wow, this is easy. Let me add more money. Let me add more money. So I started plunging money into the market that I had saved. And that's why I was able to, of course, make this kind of money. But um, yeah, and I remember like, January 21, I, I was up $200,000 realized profits in one month. It was insane. Like I was trading with sizes like 500 shares of NVIDIA, boom. But I told I'm really smart, you know, I'm like, wow, this is really easy, but everything went up. <laughs> so of course, that was the thing which did not work well for me the, the year after. So, 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 so let's kind of summarize it. This is really interesting. And I think we can agree to this. There's a little bit of beginner's luck here for sure, right? A little little bit. So, and this is is what Nick and I had been talking about. I remember we were talking about GameStop and um, it was just bonanza. Like this is total parabolic banana FOMO on steroids, right? And so anybody who was in the market during that time, like you just throw a dart at a dartboard, you're making money. It didn't matter what the name was, which was crazy. We're probably mm-hmm. not going to see a market like that maybe for like another 20 years probably um, never. No. or probably never in our never. lifetime, yeah. which is, which yeah. is crazy to think about. So yeah. you're, you're, you're at that high, right? You've got all this money. You're like, I'm a genius. 
um I've, I've done this i'm a top i'm a top g <laughs> um and then we know what happened because 2021 2022 happens and then the market is just climbing off a cliff uh, falling off a cliff so yeah. what i guess walk us through that that time period and and maybe talk to us about what you learned during that time yeah so I, I think that i learned a lot of the theory but not really the practice because i was like why would i even use stop losses everything goes up and then 2021 uh happened and i called my friend i never forget that my friend oscar i called him i said hey i made almost 200 grand this month and he's like yeah i made 150 he's like i think we should just sell everything and call it a year and just relax and he was so right because then the president day, February 21, first the SPAC start falling and it all started falling. And I'm like, what the heck? But because you're used to these dips being bought up, you don't think it can go lower. And it just keep going lower and lower and lower. And I was sitting there and at some point in like July, August, 2020, I start 21, I start selling things, freaking out. Like I was selling things. And I think I literally, all the money I made 2020, I lost in 21. Not the, the basic investment, but the money. And when I was getting to that point, I'm like, I'm giving all my money back. I just like got super depressed and stopped trading and took a month to just think. I was like, okay, there's something fundamentally wrong with my approach. This is not working. And I went to Europe, spent time with my family and I was very depressed and I was just thinking like, okay, what do I want from my life? Am I going to go back to marriage counseling? I still had some clients, of course, because I didn't want to dump people. They really used to see me for so many years. Or am I going to just keep learning and figuring out why I suck? What happened? And then I started learning like really, really deeply. And I uh, had some people, they really helped me and kept me motivated um, I think that uh, Umar Ashraf was another one who actually helped me to, he, he helped me with the, his courses and I started learning a little bit deeper. There was some friend, Ricky from Australia was another friend who really helped me. He looked at all my trades. These guys looked at my trades and tried to help me why this happened because they've been trading for decades or much longer than me. So I had, uh, as I said, Robert Falco, another one I really like from Falconian Trading, which I still trade with. There were some guys that really, really helped me and had my back. And, you know, I was dedicated to learn from my mistakes. What What do you feel from your experience was the biggest lesson that you learned just, just from having that? Because this is the stuff that a lot of our circle, a lot of our followers have actually experienced where they were in that crazy market of 2020 and then half of them maybe even 70% of them just left. They they, they, they haven't gone back to trading. And what no. was so fascinating about what you've, you've been doing now is like, you've obviously stuck the course, you've been resilient and you're doing this. Like, this is your living now, right? You can go, you can go to the market. You're like, okay, made 500 to 1,000, 2,000 bucks in a day. That's, that's good. I mean, that's, you can make a living doing that, right? So like that moment where you realized, okay, I had, I had, you got ahead of yourself, but there was like a pivot or like a pivotal moment where you realize, okay, what what was that one thing that you really learned and you said, I should never do this again and I got to figure out a way to improve myself? Just oversizing. That's the number one thing. Don't oversize. Just always stick to your one to two percent risk on your trade. And no matter how great the trade looks like, they can always go against you. It doesn't matter what trade it is. Like you never know what the market is going to do. So I think just having the discipline of the sizes and having the risk units really, really helped me. And that was the crucial thing. And again, like I wrote this book that I'm giving people for free, the 11 mistakes that ruin your trading portfolio, which I think everyone should read because it's very important. I've done all those mistakes. Uh, but again, like this was the number one thing. And I, I'm resilient. I'm, I'm coming from a really tough background and I always, I'm a fighter. I'm not going to give up just like that. So um, important is to just to take a break when you're when you suck, when you see things spiraling down too fast, it's always better to just take a break and think, because if you keep spiraling down, it's going to get worse. So when I was spiraling down like the May, June, July in 2021, and things were really starting to hit the fans, like first it was right, the SPACs and the small cups and the mid cups, and then November, the big cups caught up with the indices. I took this month off and I'm like, okay, let me focus. And I started trading with small sizes. I went from like absolutely no stop loss to like having $2,000 stop loss. And then I said, 
it's still too much for me because it hurts my mental state when I lose $2,000 on the trade. Although I had the money in the accounts, I realized, no, let's go back to three or $500 risk. And if I manage to be consistently profitable with $300 risk, I can always increase. And that's what I did. Like September 21 was the last time when I started to follow actually my, my uh, stop loss. But what I also didn't know, I got into too many trades at once. So then September 21 was like a huge dip in the market as always we have in September. And I lost 15K in one month, one, one week because I was in too many swing trades with too big of a stop loss. And I said, shit. And then instead of just staying with the stop loss, but maybe taking less trades, I freaked out and went back to like tiny stop loss. And that is not good because if you have a certain stop loss and you lose money and then you lower the stop loss, it's going to take you double or triple as much to make the money. But I you... freaked out and said, no, let me go back from $1,500 stop loss to 300, you know? And then I was just like, oh, it's like so much labor then. But it think... is what it is. Do you I'm think sorry? that it's a natural life cycle for a trader to experience loss? I think so. Like, sure, if you trade for an institution, you get job on Wall Street, they will never make you lose so much money that you would probably get fired before you even get to that point. But a lot of traders I spoke to, they blew up their portfolios completely. Or I don't think that's necessary, to be honest with you. If, if you're losing so much money, you need to stop before you lose all your money. Because that's why, as you said, 70%, I would even think it's more than that, quite frankly. Because remember 2020, I don't know if you guys experienced it, but no matter who I spoke to, everyone was trading. Mm -hmm. yep. Like veterinary doctors, yep. nurses, Uber taxi drivers, drivers. everyone yeah. was trading. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not good. This is, no. this is way too, way too weird. So everyone's, I, I, I quite frankly, don't think any of these people are trading. Uh, there's probably 10% of them they are trading, quite frankly. So in any case, um, yeah, I made that mistake and I lowered my uh, my uh, my um, uh, risk unit, uh, I think 300. And later on 2022, I did 500 and I started getting some consistency. And then in 2022, I actually was doing really well with selling puts and getting into positions. Uh, the rest of my capital I had, I was buying the dips with uh, put sales, which was great because I, I probably sold 10 puts until I got assigned once. So it was very good. I made a lot of money with that. And I was averaging then the third year of trading between probably five to 10K a month, which was not crazy money, but it's good money. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's like, sure. It's not like everyone claims on Twitter how much they make. Uh, for <laughs> me, it was it was decent money. I was happy. I was honest about it with people. And this year, I'm uh, between 10 and 20K a month. About yeah. That. Yeah. So... Uh that's so no, but it's so it's so interesting because it's like, hey, you got the sugar high, you mm -hmm. figure it out. Okay, I need to learn how to manage risk. I needed to learn how to put stop losses. You talked about yeah. put put selling, so you're yeah. obviously hedging your positions. There's yeah. so much that you probably learned in the last oh, three yeah. years that you probably wouldn't have gotten in, a, in like a, any form of education at an institution. There's no question no about that, no right? Word. So yeah. so so again, the 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 whole resilience aspect of it goes back to your ability to not wanting to quit. I have a feeling that's probably stemming from earlier on in your career. I'm biased here. I'm Eastern European, you're Eastern European. So yes, we've been through, and Nick's, Nick's Italian. So the Europeans, we've been through a lot of chaos. So we have sort of that edge where we're like, hey, I'm not going to give up. But if you had to go back maybe in the earlier parts of your career, other than the fact that, okay, the, you know, growing up in a family, um, was there something that resonated with you over the last three years that you took with you when you were growing up that made you so resilient because most people in your situation would have quit by now oh yeah that, most people majority totally have majority have right they'd yeah. be like i lost yeah. i made 200k i lost all of it i'm never going back to trading but there was something yeah. in your mind that was just like no i'm going to keep doing this what was that one thing because i love the markets i love math I, I have a um, very visual and numerological memory. I love numbers. I'm thinking through numbers. I always did. And I love the freedom. And what I love about it is the scale opportunity. When I did marriage counseling, I charged 500 an hour, but I could only work as many hours a day. And I was exhausted. 
with the markets, the, the perfect part is if I have the strategy that works, as I said, like my risk unit was 300 and it was 500. Now it's thousand up to $1,500, depending on swing or a day trade. So I'm just doing the same thing, but I'm scaling in. I'm buying more shares. I'm risking a little bit more, but I'm making more. And this is just giving me such an infinite opportunity that that was my reasoning. So I can just do this. And as I grow, as I go, I'm going to trade with more money and I'm going to make more money. And it's totally natural and realistic expectation of this business, which wasn't possible for my business because you could hardly scale into a sex therapy and have people in a group of 30 or 40 that would talk about their issues. It's like a Zoom call of like people <laughs> yeah, exactly, bragging about yeah, like yeah, what, yeah. what their bedroom stories are. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that, that was, that was kind of my, um, my, um, and also the flexibility that before I had to be in Manhattan to make money. Now I can be anywhere. I travel and I love traveling. I love being in other countries. I love being in Italy. I love being in France and just being able to trade. And that for me is the biggest priority, quite frankly. And that was driving me the idea of, of this. And I was accepting that I will have to bleed and suffer for hours and thousands of hours. But I was going after the goal and now I'm I'm there. And I'm not there in a scale I, I know I will be in two years from now, but I'm pretty confident that I will be at this point. But that's exactly it. There's a progression. I was just going to say there's a progression map. Like you mentioned, okay, when you started understanding how to manage risk, you're like, okay, I'm making five to 10 grand a month. Honestly, I think in the next four years, you'll probably be making 20 to 40 K a month consistently, just based on this progression. It's always like a step up, right? Yeah. As long as you cover your downside. And I think that's one of the biggest things is you going into the beginning. It's like, you have the high, but you don't understand how to look backwards or how to look like over your shoulder to mitigate any risk coming your way. So yeah. you get blinded, but then it's a matter of, can I overcome and realize that that was an opportunity to actually learn risks that I would have never known unless I made those mistakes. And then I adopt them into my tool basket and then I move forward with it. Exactly. And that's, and also the second thing, it's really taught me to be patient. Because I see it with a lot of people when they start trading, they're extremely impatient and a lot of people just give up. I'm an entrepreneur. I built many companies in my life. Sometimes I worked on the company two, three years before I made money. Like it's just how it works. Like I was renovating houses. It took me a year to renovate building where I made absolutely no money. And I had to work like a crazy person from 6 a.m. till late evening to make this happen. So I'm I am happy to work on something and, and see the future and see the bigger picture. But most people want instant gratification. They, how much money can I make right now? If I don't make the money, I will, you know, I've wrote books. Like it took me a year and a half to write, design and publish a book. Year and a half. Like most people wouldn't, I don't want to waste the time. Mm-hmm. But guess what? I have a product until the rest of my life that's making me hundreds of dollars every month. And it's not much, but look, it adds up. And nobody can take it away from me. The product is there. And again, if as I scale my my brand, I know I will be selling way more of those books. So it's again, like people are, I wouldn't work for a year and a half to make a couple of hundred bucks a year. But what if my name blows up in a year and I'm going to be selling thousands of dollars worth of my books? People don't think like that. They think about tomorrow and now. They don't think about the bigger picture. And I think that was very important for me in trading to see it's, the bigger picture. The, the key is they say patience pays, right? But you spell patience with a P-A-Y. So I totally echo that statement. Um, yep. For me, I mean, look, when, when I started, it was like 20 cannabis craze in Canada. So all these cannabis stocks, like you just buy one and next thing you know, two weeks, you just start making all this money and you think you're invincible. And then I remember buying my first resource stock and speaking what of page, which one was that? Research uh, na- a Namaska lithium. I'll, oh, let, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll let I'll let you do your research on that one. Our <laughs> listeners definitely know, but basically, it was a lithium mine, and this was right before sort of the Tesla boom of the world. And like you're yeah. buying into like the speculation, and I was just mm-hmm. like, "Hey, I've got all this money that I made from cannabis. Let me throw it all into Namaska." And I made the exact same mistake you did, mm-hmm. except it was with one name. It was like, mm-hmm. "Hey, let me just throw." you know, 20 grand into Namaska. Let's just see. I lost everything. Yeah. yeah. I lost yeah. money on Wittstock. I have, I have these two. They're like, um, I have the same lesson. Marijuana made a ton of money. Got really, you know, overconfident because I yeah. every name I was picking and it wasn't just that. 
I was picking AI stuff and everything I was yeah. picking, even in, I had pharmaceutical stocks I did well in, I had uh, AI stuff that I did well in. And then I decided to take a lot of my money out, go into one, well, not all of it, but I put a good chunk into one name after an AI that was early stage that then the whole COVID stuff happened. They collapsed, they closed the economy. Uh, so it wasn't AI, it was another marijuana, but in the States, they closed the economy, uh, they collapsed the rates. And then issues for a lot of small cap companies became with their debts and their refinancing and how they were going to sustain their business. So the stocks, everything collapsed. And then I was like, well, screw this. I'm just going to get out. So I took some out, but a lot of it, I lost it. Yeah. And you know, that was my biggest lesson. And then I realized from there, my obsession became over macro. So I became obsessed with macro risk because it was the macro world that shaped my circumstance at that specific moment. So, but without it, you know, I say this, I always say without that loss, I probably would have never became obsessed with the macro world. So I would have never been able to assess and dissect risk to the level I do now if it wasn't for that loss. Yeah, of course, that's, yeah, but you learn from your mistakes and the macro really matters when, when uh, shit hits the fan, <laughs> it does matter, you know, like now what we're seeing is the same situation, right? These little companies are getting completely uh, beat up because of that, so, and and I'm still curious to see how many of them actually will be able to survive next year, yeah. for example, so we'll see. Well, and wait, you go, go ahead, ahead Nick. Oh, what I was going to say was, um, do you find or is there any kind of synergy between the old ecosystem you come from in terms of psychology and human behavior and the way you transition to this ecosystem and the way you look at charts? Did, did, like, is there like a pattern recognition that you've noticed? Is there, you know, like, the, does it, does the, do the charts speak to you from a behavioral lens? 100%. And I'm teaching a class actually on um, trading psychology and technicals. And everything I teach is through the psychology, besides options, because that's a little bit different. It's more math-based. I have um, four, four classes on options in my cohort. But but yeah, the chart is basically a print of human psychology and behavior. And that's what I'm trying to explain to people. Every candle meal means to, that's its translation of the human behavior. And it, it's absolutely it's absolutely fitting to trading. Everything I saw in marriage counseling, I see with traders as well. It just seems like people, when it comes to money, are more prone to really work on themselves and they try harder than they try with relationships, although it's it's uh, uh, it's strange, but they really do try more because the money talks and bullshit walks, I feel like. So yeah, I see I see the translation, absolutely, yeah. I, I want to maybe focus more on like the markets on what's happened. Cause like, this is where it gets really fascinating. Um, the S and P I think is already it's in correction territory. It's down 10%. You've got gold that made an absolute move to the upside. The reason I'm bringing that up is because you posted some stories about GLD. Mm -hmm. We all made money. Great. Now there's like the trades that go in the other way. So with everything going on, like what's, what's sort of your outlook, I guess we'll keep it on a trader or a swing trader perspective, like the next 30 to 90 days, knowing what you know now what do you feel like is something that's probable in this in this market so i'm a technical trader and i'm also looking at the macro this may be like 70 30 for me 70 percent uh technicals and macro because of course the news will always be stronger than the technicals but the technicals really work for me and it's fascinating to also see when you're getting to technical levels that are important how the news uh, starts uh kind of supporting the technicals, right? Which we see with NVIDIA as well. NVIDIA is so prone to going short and today we got bad news on the short, you know? So the market, you know, it's, it, it is as we, it's, as everyone can see who does technical trading, we are in an extremely powerful level. And why I'm saying that because we were in this level for a year, but the level was acting as a resistance for a year. So if you look at the, at the chart, the level around 410, we had that level since May, 2020. 2022 may 2022 yeah. and it was basically strong resistance that we tried to break through for a year until this year of may and then we finally got out so it's going to take a while if we want to break through because it's a huge point of control there is an insane amount of of transactions waiting to be fulfilled and i think if we break through this one it's going to be ugly and it's going to take us a little bit of chop like it's not going to happen just like that uh, that's my opinion. So all my, all my eyes on this, we are in a chop environment right now. We have the FOMC today, tomorrow. We'll see how they are going to, what they're going to say. 
Uh, I'm I'm trading with caution this whole month, um, September October. Very cautious about the trades. I I still make money, but September was excellent. I took half of the trades I usually do. It was a very good month for me. October is a little bit slower. I think the chop is just intensifying this this month. So again, trading with smaller amounts, uh, technically speaking, we could see some bounce, but how big the bounce is going to be, nobody knows. It all depends on the FOMC tomorrow. And we are in inside week right now. So I will I will trade the technicals next week. Uh, if we keep in inside week this week, I will I will have the technicals ready for next week to go shorter long. And that's how I trade. So what what are the indicators that you use? We're going to dive so, deep into the charts here. You know, it depends on what trade. If I'm on a day trade, I usually just use the 10 moving average uh, just to see some sort of a resistance support. And I use the VWAP. That's really much it on five or three minute chart. That's what I trade. And when I do a swing trade, I look at the daily chart mainly for patterns. I love patterns and I like short-term patterns because I like short-term swing trades. Um, the, th the three patterns that are short-term is a flag, it's a wedge, and it's a pennant. They usually form in a seven to 15 business days and then they have really strong breakout or a breakdown of course it can go both ways uh, but they are very very good by research the flags have actually highest probability of success and usually i like to see a bull flag and then take along but the same you can do with short like if it's a short trend and then you have a bear flag and then there is a high probability of uh, the breakdown again so this is what I trade pretty much. Um, I use the moving averages just to have kind of a reference point where we are. And when it comes to investing, of course, then you look at the longer term ones like 200 on daily or weekly, which we could see last year a lot. The simple one um, on the shorter terms, I use exponential ones, 10 and 20 mostly. Interesting. So I noticed that there was no mention of support and resistance lines. Why is that? I use them, of course, all the time too. I'm not just okay. support, but too many, too many, of course. Too many indicators <laughs> too going many on indicators. at the same times. Yeah, you know, I use the I use the um, um, the volume volume shelves a lot too. I like yeah. those as well. So yeah, as I said, like the supporter four ten is the biggest one I see so far this year. Uh, we got back there from May, so that's my thing. Support resistant lines, of course, I use them all the time, or trend lines, which you which you form with a with a pennant or flag. You, you draw your trend lines; otherwise, you can't make the shape. But um, I use them as a level of interest, and I don't think they are hundred percent right. There, it's just it's chopping around, so I use it as as a, as a place of of interest where I could get into a trade if we have a confirmation. I usually wait for a confirmation. I don't before just jumping into, in. Yeah, exactly. Because there's much better chances of success if you actually get some sort of a direction. Yeah. What kind of, what kind of external variables do you look at to align or to provide validation to your chart? So if I break through, let's say to short, let's look at NVIDIA chart, just as an example, because it's very current right now. Everyone, everyone seems to want to go short NVIDIA and it's, it's pretty choppy. It's probably going to chop and trap a lot of people. <laughs> so let's look at that one nvidia right we have the head and shoulder patterns so of course i have the trend line it's not a horizontal trend line it's leaning a little bit towards up um so that's that's my line i have and we basically broke through on thursday uh, we went below the trend line and then we retested back closed uh, on friday i didn't want to take a trade on friday but yesterday we had this um candle that went about the trend line and rejected so that for me was a sign of, okay, we rejected. Let me take a quick short. So I got in about 408 yesterday. It went down to 392, which is a nice, nice short. But I'm still in because I don't want to, if I have my conviction, I have my trade set up. I don't want to change it from a swing trade to a day trade. Oftentimes it would work better for me. But I feel like if you keep micromanaging your trades, you never can really test your strategy. And that's what a lot of people do. They're like, oh, I'm in a swing trade, but oh, no, let me make it a day trade or let me go into a day trade and let me make it a swing trade. Different rules. If it would be a day trade, I would probably have much tighter stop and much more, many more shares. If it's a swing trade, I have much bigger stop and I have less shares. So that's how I trade. So sure, I could have gotten out and grabbed my money, but I just want to see if we try to break again about the trend line and i have my stop loss at around 420 about the yesterday pivot so we'll see there's also the 10 exponential moving average coming 
look, I might be wrong, but I have my trade set up. I I'm in uh, short and, you know, we'll see. You're, you're managing risk. I'm you're managing mad risk. Exactly. How do you, how do you take into account the, for example, interest rates scenario? Like how, how do you factor that into your modeling uh, do you, or uh, do you do any of that? Or is it just more of like a little bit more of a noise? Every day I look at the dollar, the DXY, and I'm looking at the 10 year. And also last week I was looking at the USD uh, and the Japanese yen. JPY, yeah. Yeah. So that was like my three that things. falling off a cliff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. This week, they, they, yeah. The, new, the news yesterday, they're talking about how, they, how much they need to start controlling uh, the yeah. yield curve. And, yeah. and that talk's been a while, that talk. So. so these things matter, but they matter more when you invest and how much money you are allocating into the market. When you trade or day trade, I think they are important to kind of see. But you, you know, day, day trading and swing trading quickly is so technical because it's for such a short term. You know what I mean? Like the macro, I don't think it really matters that much in a very short setup. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What matters more are earnings and FOMC. Now we are in FOMC, so I might get that's kind of like a little bit risky to be in because of the, today and tomorrow of the press conference. That could be a little bit problematic for me. I, for example, would never open a trade for earnings. I would get out before earnings. Like Nvidia loves to rally before earnings. So that might also be against me. But again, like this was a trade of usually three to five business days. That's what my swing trade is. Yeah, again, and that's, that's usually the case. Yeah, I could have gotten out today, but could have, should have, you know, and then I would break <laughs> my, I would break my uh, trade. It wouldn't be what I planned, you know. So, so yeah, so you feel you feel that there's you're 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 back testing too. You want to test the strategy, see if it works, and then you know if it if it returns, you just double down and you start applying that to charts that have similar patterns. At the end of the day, exactly because if you just keep micromanaging, you will never really learn. Like I want to also make trading mistakes and see, okay, um, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And kind of some find some edge there. And sure, you can be like super quick and just like you know, scalp things, but that's not what I do. That's not what I think is sustainable for me. I don't want to trade that way. And I'm just going to see if we, if we get back to the trend line and if we're going to break through a second time, I will be cautious uh, and I might get out of the trade. But right now we're still, you know, it's, it's looking like an amazing hammer today. So we'll see, but we still have three hours to go. So we'll see. You know, it's funny. It's funny you guys talking about this because if you think about it from a psychological standpoint, mm -hmm. if you don't want to build a chaotic character, you always tell people, you know, finish something, fit, get it to the end, see how you feel at the end. Did you execute? Did it go the way you did it, wanted to? Exactly. Did it not go that way? Execute yeah. on the plan you initiated, exactly. build that out, let it build, see how it goes, and then adapt afterwards. Yeah. So if you don't ever play anything out, you never truly see to what extent do you understand what it is you're trying to do and how sustainable can that framework or that modeling you're building out, how sustainable is it? You you never you can never any do any of those things if you never allow things to play out. Exactly. It's a so. Yeah, very well said, very well said. And also like you won't be able to, if I would just freak out this morning and say, let me get out, you know, first of all, I had smaller position because my stop loss was bigger. My stop loss was from 408 to 423, right? That's $15. Uh, so it's a big stop loss. It's not a day trade stop loss, right? Swing trade. <laughs> so it's a swing trade stop loss. So I bought less shares. I would make a little profit, but then it, I feel like I would go against my own teaching. I would make this quick, hushed decision to just grab the money. That's not how I trade. So I'm curious to see how this plays out. Um, again, we have the FOMC. That's my only... See, that, that's like the dilemma between like your greed, just wanting to... Mm -hmm. Take how you're yeah. going to act versus yeah. taking a step back and letting your mind actually think things through and observing things happening. And, you know, in matter of fact, you never really know. There were some trades this year I felt I should get out because I was up a lot. I didn't because I wanted to follow my targets. There was a trade that I was getting too early out and it went much higher. So you never know. But I feel like for my peace in my mind, I like to have the same uh, strategy going because then I feel I'm consistent and I'm not doing this heck mech because mm -hmm. the heck mech at the end of the day and the micromanagement will bring you to ruins that's my example that's my opinion because that didn't work for me in the past so yeah I'm just I'm just trying to be really consistent and disciplined because the discipline will show in, in it's the comp the, the the result is the compounding effect of the consistency in that concept Exactly. Because you're not you're not chasing a specific high. You're just chasing yeah. the consistency, yeah. which is 
which yields the the compounding effect. Yeah. And and also my my rule is for example, if I'm up on a swing trade six to seven percent and more in matter of two business days, I'm out. Like I, I take my money because I consider that an excellent swing trade. Sure, I done this in the past and then the swing trade went up 10, 15%. I was like, okay, but you know, having 7% and actually putting the money elsewhere in two days, it's amazing, I think, for an equity trade. Mm -hmm. It's all about, I mean, you said it perfectly. It's you have a strategy, you're trying to test it. If it works, you double down on it. But you know, if you stay disciplined to that, regardless of the outcome, that's going to make you a much longer and sustainable trader over the course of the next 20, 30 years, whatever it is, yeah. right? As yeah. opposed to, oh, I just made 20 grand on a trade. Let me sell that. You try to do the same type of logic on a trade without having a methodology, you're probably going to lose the same amount and then you're back to square one. So it creates this, you're basically the reduce you're you're reducing the volatility in your mind. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. If you exactly. just stick to these disciplines. It, it, it's it's yeah. like a frequency wave, right? Instead of going up and down chaotic moves, you have you're more near the medium center and you're just going up and down like this. And yeah. you have a, a clear progression upwards rather than just a clear volatile line that you don't that could just keep going down and eventually maybe go up. Yeah. So you're, it's, it's aligning your psychology with your strategy. And also, like, when I look at the chart, you know, like yesterday, we clearly had a bull trap. Today, we clearly have a bear trap. It's a very choppy market. Like, how do I know if NVIDIA is going to run to 410 and then go back down? Like, it can happen also. And then I'm going to sell. I'm going to get out now, take my little bit of money, and then I'm going to be like, eh, I should have, could have, you know? So, <laughs> of course, if I would see that we have amazing news tomorrow at FOMC and the market start going crazy, of course, I'm closing my short, right? I'm not going to stay there and get hammered. <laughs> That's, of course, all other thing as a trader, you need to understand the risk and, and actually get out when things completely change the scenario. But if nothing really changes, we'll see. You know, so that's how I how I do things. And like, you get, it gets frustrating, but it bothers me less and less at this point. Like last week I was in Netflix and I got stopped out on, on Friday and then yesterday Netflix rallied back up, you know? So this happens a lot. But again, I want to be true to my stop losses because I was on Friday, I said, I think on Monday Netflix will rally back and I should stay in this. And then I said, no, because what if, I wake up on Monday and I had a huge position on Netflix and I'm going to be down $10, $15 on a share. Like it can happen. Like they had very ugly three days and sentiment. I said, oh, that's also a possibility. So always think about that when you trade. What if the other, the worst scenario happens? Because that re really helps with uh, managing risk, in my opinion. I think I think that the coolest part about your story is that you actually understand you understood the importance of risk management because everybody thinks trading is oh I made thirty grand in a day I made forty grand in a day that's not it no, right how it's did like you make the money is important exactly in and I find room. I find that's what's getting lost right now in transition and, and we're seeing it all over social media there's a lot of promoters out there talking yeah, about that they quote it's terrible so like yeah. you know it seems like what you're doing now especially with your classes you're applying sort of that same methodology from when you were a therapist to you know bringing it to people who just want to learn and understand okay you can be successful doing this over the long term right yeah I'm trying to First of all, I tried to explain the rationality of the markets, what to expect, not having crazy expectations, as uh, as you said, a lot of people promote on Twitter. Secondary, I try to help people find discipline and be patient and actually spend time um, managing their risk and, and yeah, being patient because, look, you can take two free trades a year. They are so excellent. That's all you need. And I learned that in the past. It's like the 80-20 rule. Oftentimes you make 80% of money with 20% of your trades and the rest is just too much work for you. And every trade you open, you need to manage and it's psychological. Like you have to actually pay attention to the trade. You think about the trade, even in the after hours. And when you sit at a dinner with your family or friends, you still think about the trade sometimes. So more trades you have open, more energy is going to take from your life. Mm -hmm. So that's why I really just want to find trades that are that have a high probability. Um, this again, so, so much value because it's like, this is what the markets do. They teach people a hard lesson. And then I think you just kind of get out of it. Um, you have a great Twitter page, by the way. So, um, where, where, where can the listeners find you, especially all over social media? 
So it's Twitter, Leah the Trader, and on Instagram is Leah.d.trader. For some reason, I couldn't find my name on Twitter, on Instagram anymore. So I had to do the dots. <laughs> There's too many Leahs out there. Too many fakes. Yeah. And then um, my, um, what you call it, YouTube is also Leah the Trader. I do a lot of videos I post and um I also have, uh, if people want my ebook, they can just sign up uh, under leahthetrader.com uh, and sign their name and email. I will send them the book for free. And I'm I'm writing about two very interesting um, posts a week on trading psychology and some trading re recaps so people can learn from my mistakes or my my success and, and uh, some of the setups. Um, yeah, so that's pretty much it. Again, very valuable insights because everybody's got different backgrounds. This has definitely mm -hmm. been one of the more interesting ones. But again, Nick, we're I think our audience is going to be happy that it's at the end of the day, it's risk management. Like that is what's going to make you successful. It's not the big wins. It's not the home runs. It's the singles. It's the doubles. And then you'll be here for 20, hey, look, 40 it's... something years. Yeah. Whether you're applying it to short-term trading or long-term trading, something we hear often time from bigger, you know, wealth funds and wealthier people, making money is the easy part. It's preserving your wealth, the hardest part. 100%. So, so 100%. That, 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 that philosophy seems to apply to everything. Mm -hmm. It's the downside you always have to cover because if you don't cover that side, you always end up being blinded. And then you're, you're just a short-term driven person who's not aware of the long-term play that you're playing. Exactly. Take calculated risks. That's what's most important. Mm -hmm. And as you said, every aspect of life. <laughs> exactly. exactly. No risk, no reward. Mm -hmm. yeah leah thank you so much for coming on and um you know we're uh, love to have you back at a later time hopefully when the world is a little bit more calm but you never know <laughs> there's opportunities in the market almost daily at this point right yeah always thank you guys this is really nice talking to you thank you so of much of course the same here and we'll see you next time guys on the new gen mindset podcast good job guys take care <laughs>